You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we're going to keep trucking along. We're doing the Minnesota Vikings. Getting into some of the more fun stuff. Because, let's face it, Vikings and Bears are the most interesting things to talk about. Probably the Vikings even the most, because um, not a lot of good news on the Vikings front. I don't see any reason to preface how this episode is going to go, because I've done this for like a dozen teams now. However, I will say, join the Facebook group, please. Oh, man. Voice is going. Here I go. The Facebook group is called Packernet Podcast. I'm going to assume it's the only one. NFLBigBoard.com, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to uh, call in for a What Grinds My Gears segmente, that number is 608-501-0718. 608-501-0718. Data and messaging rates may apply. Finally, NFLBigBoard.com. I did a uh, big update uh, yesterday. So whole new draft order and whatnot. I also added, um, even though the links on the... Well, later today I'll have all the links updated. But uh, in other words, there are like a dozen or so more scouting reports that are buried in the website somewhere. But um, by noon today, they'll all be on the site. In other words, they'll all be linked on the board itself. Also, something else to keep an eye out for. I know a lot of you like to do the uh, the Fanspeak mocks. Fanspeak.com, you do all the mock drafts and stuff. And I haven't done it because I think their boards are goofy. But they've added a bunch more boards, which got me thinking, why don't I have them add my board? Well, I did. I don't believe it's up yet, but they said it should be up by today. So I am beyond excited because I get to use my own big board and do a simulated mock draft with my own board. And you can too. When you go over to fanspeak.com, you can, uh, if you haven't done it yet, you get to do a mock draft and it's all simulated. In other words, the computer picks stuff and they offer trades and all this different stuff. And you can offer trades. But the actual board that you use, there's a drop-down where you get to select which board you want to use. You can choose NFL Big Board. Uh, big board. Again, I don't know when they're going to have that up. Um, Megan said she would have it up today. So um, hopefully that is the case. And um, actually, I would encourage you to do that. And I'll hit this up on Twitter and in the Facebook group. But if you aren't in the group, here's what I would like you to do. Go to fanspeak.com, do that, um, do a seven-round Packers mock draft using my board, and let me see what you come up with. Hit me up in the uh, the Facebook group or Twitter if you prefer, because I want to see what you got. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, 
and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so the big news with the Minnesota Vikings essentially is the fact that their cap space is very, very, very limited. So the uh, <clears throat> Packer fan narrative is something along the lines of, ha ha, told you so, now you got no money and you can't uh, get anybody and you're going to have to cut half your team and you're going to be garbage and uh, way to have one good year. Something along those lines. And to be honest, there's a part of me that feels that way too because it was, uh, what was it, two years ago I started talking about it on the podcast about how the Vikings are going to have no cap left because they're spending too much money. And um, then last year they went and did some different things. You know, they got Kirk Cousins and all this and a bunch of Vikings fans were like, see, you don't know what you're talking about. Everything's fine. Well, here we are, and they have $7.2 million in cap space. Why is that? Well, they're paying Kirk Cousins $29 million, Daniel Hunter $13.5 million, Xavier Rhodes, which is hilarious, even though Vikings fans insist Xavier Rhodes is a great cornerback. That's hilarious. They're paying him $13.3 million. Stephon Diggs, $12.4 million. Everson Griffin, $11.7 million. Riley Reef, $11.7 million. Harrison Smith, $10 million. Linval Joseph, $10 million. And Trey Waynes, $9 million. There's others, but, you know, for example, Thielen is 8, Rudolph is 7. But I don't, I'm not going below 7. So they don't have any money. But here, here's kind of the the kicker. They're going to have money because they're going to start cutting players. The question is, which players and how is that going to impact their team? If they're able to, for example, restructure and then cut a couple people that don't really impact the team that much and they get a bunch of money back so that they can re-sign whatever free agents they have, which, by the way, let's look at some of the free agents so we get an idea of not only do they have $7 million in cap space, but you figure, let's see, uh, $6.9 million allocated to the rookie pool. You figure that's maybe $4 million of that is going to be um, actually against the cap because, again, the, the top 51 rule, $3, 4000000 million. But then let's look at their um, free agent. So they got Trevor Simeon. Now, Trevor Simeon isn't very good, but they don't have anybody else. They have a, a guy by the name of Kyle Slaughter, which would be awesome if he was like a, I don't know, a guard, an edge rusher, a linebacker, but um, no, he's a he's a quarterback, and he is literally the only quarterback they have outside of Trevor Simeon. So as I've said several times, you get to the point where it's like, well, we don't want to pay money for Trevor Simeon, but we have to have a quarterback, and we can't, as much as people love saying that, well, we can draft one. You can't go into the draft saying that because you don't know who's going to be available. You know you're not taking one in the first round. You shouldn't take one in the second or even the third round. Guess what? They only have a fourth and a sixth after that. They don't have very many draft picks. And beyond that, if there's no good quarterbacks available, you tell me you're going to reach on like a seventh-round quarterback in the sixth round just because, well, we said going into this we were going to draft one, so I guess we have to. Nobody does that. It drives me insane when people say that. Well, you don't need to do that. Why Why do we need to get a free agent wide receiver when we can draft one in the fourth round? Well, that's awfully specific. <laughs> Pray tell, which wide receivers are going to be available at pick four? Mr. Know-Everything? My goodness, you have some foresight. 
That is incredibly impressive. You not only know the exact big board of the Green Bay Packers, but you know every single pick that's going to happen prior to the Packers' fourth-round pick and the fact that the Packers will pick that wide receiver, and boom, then we're all set. So why do we need to do anything in free agency? My point is, if there is a dire problem, you cannot say in free agency, which is prior to the draft, don't worry, we'll take care of it in the draft. You can't say that. That's not a thing. It's no different than, um, you know, if we were to right now start cutting safeties and say, don't worry, we'll get Earl Thomas. How do you know? You don't. You don't know what everybody else is going to offer. You don't know if Earl Thomas even wants to come here. You might offer the most money, and he's like, I'm not going over there. It's cold, man. So anyways, quarterback, sort of a problem. And even if Trevor Simeon isn't the answer, somebody has to be the answer. Which, by the way, that's something else to consider, because it's a very thin line for the Viking season, and that thin line is their $29 million quarterback. As much as the Packers have no shot without um, Aaron Rodgers, the Vikings have even less of a shot. Because at this particular point in time, they're going to have to pay Trevor Simeon money to come in and be the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings if anything happens to Kirk Cousins. That's not good. And that's assuming they re-sign Trevor Simeon. So at a bare minimum, I believe he would need to be paid because he's just coming off of his rookie deal $645,000. It's not very much, but it's still something, and it's about $600,000 more than I'd like to pay for Trevor Simeon, considering we have absolutely no money. But again, we're going to end up cutting a bunch of people, and we're going to end up having enough money to where $600,000 for Trevor Simeon isn't really going to hurt all that much. It's going to hurt watching talent leave so that we can sign Trevor Simeon, but that's a different issue. Um, moving on, uh, at running back, Latavius Murray and Amir Abdullah. Now, obviously, Dalvin Cook is our top guy, but Latavius Murray is, is very clearly our number two. Latavius Murray has been a pretty solid asset in the absence of Dalvin Cook for a very long time. In fact, Latavius Murray is technically a better running back, according to Pro Football Focus, than Dalvin Cook is. With that said, however, the man just signed a $5.2 million contract in 2018, almost no doubt in my mind, at, you know, 30 years old, he's not getting a $5 million contract, not from the Vikings. So Latavius Murray is going to be gone. If he's not, I'll be shocked. But again, are you really going to cut some of your defensive stalwarts so that you can re-sign Latavius Murray and Trevor Simeon? I would riot if I was a Vikings fan and that was the case. I mean, if we got to cut guys, let's cut guys, but let's do it so that we can be prudent and re-sign people that actually matter. Do not do that to re-sign Latavius Murray. As much as, again, he's important. And similar to quarterback, if anything happens to Dalvin Cook with Latavius Murray out, we're kind of doomed at running back, especially with our offensive line situation. Amir Abdullah, I doubt anybody cares. He'll be gone. But uh, behind Dalvin Cook now, it will be C.J. Ham, Mike Boone, and then Rock Thomas is somebody that they recently just signed. Um, other offensive players, wide receiver Aldrick Robinson, which is, is really just a depth thing. Obviously, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are the guys everybody cares about. Um, Laquan Treadwell is the only other guy that I think anybody even knows who is an undrafted free agent in 2020. Pretty sure Aldrick Robinson is gone just because, again, we're not sinking money into guys like this as much as we could use the depth. But it's going to be Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, uh, Laquan Treadwell, who is literally the worst wide receiver on this entire team. The fact that he is the number three when literally Brandon Zilstra, Chad Beebe, 
Aldrick Robinson were all better wide receivers. Granted, limited sample size, but they've all been better than Laquan Treadwell, who's been awful. But whatever, that's not my problem, that's their problem. But I'm sure Aldrick Robinson is gone. Otherwise, they've got a bunch of offensive linemen, which isn't great because, again, they don't have a lot of great offensive linemen. Left guard Tom Compton, center Brad, uh, Brett Jones, and Nick Easton. Easton also ended the year on IR. So at this point, we're talking about starters. Now, which one is actually a starter and which one isn't is, I, I guess, up for debate. Um, according to this, Tom Compton would be a starter. Our lads disagrees and says Nick Easton is going to be the starter. Either way, the left guard, whether it be Easton or Compton, is going to be a free agent. We absolutely have to repay these guys, and again, unfortunately, these are not good football players. Brett Jones is the backup center, and as much as it might seem relatively easy to let him go, the problem is Pat Elfline, who they drafted, has been beyond horrible. And Brett Jones has actually been a better offensive lineman than Pat Elfline. So if we were to make the decision that we were going to, you know, promote Brett Jones over Pat Elfline, we would have to pay Brett Jones to play for us which means to bench our third-year starter, the guy that we drafted, another early-round offensive lineman that I said these guys are constant misses, these guys that I've been referencing over the last several weeks, that every time you draft somebody late first, early second, these super you know, highly-touted guards and centers, they don't really pan out. This is another one, Pat Elfline. He was a big name going into the draft. He's been trash. It's kind of scary how many of these guys have been garbage. But anyways, Brett Jones might have to get paid as well. And the problem with a lot of this is the Vikings can't just sit here and go, well, you're getting the minimum, and you're getting the minimum, and you're getting the minimum. Because some of these guys, like Brett Jones, other teams might look at him and go, no, 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 I'll pay him, man, I'll pay him. I mean, he's 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 mediocre, and I'll take mediocre. I mean, you got the, the Houston Texans, for example, who could use absolutely anything at offensive line. If Brett Jones is an upgrade at center over the guys that they have, I don't think they have any problem saying, yeah, I'll give you $5 bucks." The Texans have $78 million in cap space. They have zero problem throwing $5 bucks at a mediocre center when they have the worst offensive line in the NFL. So again, the Vikings can't just sit here and go minimum, 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 minimum. Even with Trevor Simeon, if there's a, if there's a team out there that needs a quarterback or a backup quarterback that's willing to hand him four, five, six, seven, eight million dollars million, let's just call it $4-5 million, just to come in to be the backup, here's four million bucks. Can the Vikings match that? I don't know. That's kind of steep when we've only got four million dollars to play with. So these are three guys that ideally they'd like to keep all of them. Realistically, it's going to be hard to keep any of them, but they're going to have to because again, at the very least, if you want to keep Nick Easton to be your starting left guard, that's fine. But if you let Brett Jones and Tom Compton go, you're letting your best center walk and you're letting any depth you have at guard. I mean, you've got basically Danny Isidora to handle the left and right guard spots. And that's pretty much it. I mean, Cedric Lang, but who cares? Continuing on with the glory now. Looking at their defense, one of the big free agent signings that they had last year was Sheldon Richardson, who is a good defensive tackle. But they paid him $8 bucks. No chance on this planet, in my mind, they're going to dish out $8 million for Sheldon Richardson to stay on this team. So already we're starting to see the deterioration of what was a very good defensive line. Right? They, they had, for example, when you just think Linval Joseph, Sheldon Richardson, Daniil Hunter, and Everson Griffin, that's a horrifying thought. Well, 
Everson Griffin had a really good year in 2017, which is where a lot of this hype came from, but he's been a pretty mediocre guy since forever. I know, ask a Vikings fan, they'll tell you he's fantastic, but I'm just telling you, the only year other than 2017 in which he was even good, according to PFF, was 2014. So Everson Griffin is just kind of meh. And if you think that I'm wrong, it's because you're just remembering how great he was in 2017 and how everybody hyped him up. I promise you, since 2010, the guy has not been all that great. Daniil Hunter is pretty good. He was ranked 16th as far as edge rushers go, so at least he's starter caliber. Then on the interior, you have Linval Joseph, who also had a really good year in 2017, but was graded as the 36th best defensive tackle in the NFL this past year. So, I mean, maybe he's starter caliber? I mean, I shouldn't say starter. If you say that there's two defensive tackles, he's, I guess he's a starter, but he's not exactly DT1. At least he wasn't in 2017, or 2018. 2015 and 2017, he was elite. And in fact, the last four years, he's been pretty good, but he kind of declined in 2018, back to what he was from 2010 through 2014, when he just wasn't very good. So even with the, not only are we seeing a collapse of the salary cap, we're starting to see this little, like, burst of talent sort of start to fade away. There was this burst, you know, Linval Joseph blew up, 2015, elite, 2016, real good, and 2017, elite, 2018, good. Then you've got Sheldon Richardson, who's just, you know, a pretty dominant dude. Not even quite as good as Linval Joseph. In fact, he hasn't been very good since 2014. But he's good. He was graded as the 47th best defensive tackle. But he will probably be gone. Meaning, even if we can keep the other three guys up front, which I doubt is going to happen very strongly, Daniil Hunter is really the only guy that's kind of scary anymore. Unless Linval Joseph can kind of have a resurgence... But even then, it, it, it pales in comparison to what the Bears have. You look at Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, it's like, that's a horrifying, you know, outside and inside guy. Linval Joseph is, you know, good. And Daniel Hunter is, is pretty good. And that's pretty much it. Neverson Griffin is kind of blech. And Sheldon Richardson's gone, so now they've got another, def- which, by the way, they don't have really very many defensive tackles. they got Tom Johnson, Jaleel Johnson, and Curtis Cothran. Um, the only one that's barely mediocre, apparently, is Tom Johnson. And considering we're talking about interior defenders, so you talk about the big guys that kind of need some rotating going on, and all you have is Linval Joseph, maybe, because we haven't even gotten there yet, that's a little kind of not good. For a team whose identity is this really dominant defensive front, defense in general, but it's the defensive front that really scared a lot of people, not much there anymore. So anyways, Sheldon Richardson and Tom Johnson, both free agents, they don't have the money to re-sign Sheldon Richardson, I don't think, unless he takes a big pay cut. Even so, that's a really, really rich, um, I just don't see it. I've had them taking a defensive tackle in the first round for that reason. Obviously, offensive line, they've got other needs that they could satisfy, but I just, I don't see it happening. I think it's very likely the best player available at the end of the first round, or where the Vikings are, end-ish round is going to be defensive tackle, and it makes sense that they take one, meaning Sheldon Richardson and maybe Tom Johnson are going to be gone. Uh, one of the bigger names that everybody seems to know is Anthony Barr. Packer fans want him. I'm not necessarily for or against it. I just, as I've said before, it's really hard for me to say, yeah, let's pay this dude a ton of money when literally not one person has any idea if this guy can play 3-4 outside linebacker in the NFL. And if all you want to do is talk about he was really good in college, dude, that was a long time ago. There are a lot of guys who were really good in college that weren't very good in the NFL. How much money do you want to pay him? Because he got paid as essentially an inside linebacker or a 4-3 outside linebacker 
um, an average of three million a year. But this past year, he had a cap hit, a total salary of twelve point three million dollars. You really want to pay? And I know this isn't really about the Packers, but do you really want to pay this guy pass rusher money? And we don't really know for sure. I mean, I, I get the upside. He's twenty six years old. Um, you know, he was he was miscast coming straight out of college. Why you would take this this pass rusher and, and make him an outside linebacker, I have no idea. But I, I just I don't know, man. It's it's too risky for me, depending on what the price is. But again, you got a bunch of other teams that would love to have this guy. How high is his price gonna go? And do the Packers wanna be that team that gives the most amount of money to a guy that's just have no idea if he can do it? And I already went through and looked at the stats. If you want to pretend that he played a bunch of outside linebacker and you've been scouting him. You can go ahead and lie, but he hasn't done very much of that at all. But anyways, very, very unlikely that Anthony Barr is coming back. Anthony Barr in 2018 was the only linebacker that was graded as good. Eric Kendricks, who I've been telling you, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks are both way overrated. Anthony Barr was good once in 2015. In 2017, he was barely good. 2015, he was elite. 2016, he was terrible. 2017, he was mediocre. 2018, he was barely good. He's had one good year and a bunch of mediocre to terrible years. Another reason why I'm not super interested in paying this man $10-plus Just as an athlete in general, he's been kind of bad. And Eric Hendricks has never even graded out as good. He was bad, average, average, and average. So now Barr's gone. You've got an average Eric Hendricks, an average Eric Wilson, an average Ben Gideon, an average Kentrell Brothers, an average Devontae Downs. None of these guys are any good. Maybe Ben Gideon jumps up and becomes somewhat um, decent, or they try their hand with Eric Wilson. I don't know. But either way, I'm kind of giddy that Gideon is going to be taking the place of Anthony Barr, because as much as Anthony Barr was a little bit overrated, he was probably still their best linebacker. And I know Packer fans will absolutely refuse. It's so funny because everybody becomes super anti-PFF when their own narrative gets interrupted. And that's when a bunch of people pretend that they're scouts and they've been watching every snap of Anthony Barr. And they're like, no, he's really good. PFF is a joke. If you really wanted to do this, you watch with your own eyes. Okay, first of all, you know you haven't been watching, so stop lying. And second of all, that's literally what Pro Football Focus does is uses their eyes. And you have like a three-layer process where you have a scout who is trained how to watch football players based on, you know, using NFL standards on how to grade football players. That goes up to the next level scout who double checks your work. That goes up to a third level who double checks his work, who double checked the other guy's work, and then that gets released as a final grade. But boy, oh boy, if it interrupts your narrative, boy, you why are you doing PFF? Why don't you watch with your own eyes, Mr. Know-it-all? Uh, number one, because I don't have time. Number two, because I don't have interest. And number three, because even if I did watch with my own eyes, I couldn't even barely touch the surface of what these guys are trained to do. And neither could you, by the way. But keep pretending. Anyways, other free agents they have. George Iloka, who they recently just signed. They only have four safeties, so they're pretty thin. But they're all relatively talented. Anthony Harris uh, graded out as the second best safety in the NFL, which is pretty shocking, uh, after Andrew Sandejo went down. Harrison's, or Anthony, Anthony Harris stepped up as an absolutely elite safety, which is kind of scary. It was 624 snaps, so it was not a small sample size. Dude just came out of nowhere and absolutely dominated. Uh, dominated. It's possible that it was just a fluke thing because he's been kind of a not great safety, so I don't know exactly how it happened, but he was really good. 
Harrison Smith, still a very good uh, safety. Andrew Sandejo, when he comes back from IR, pretty talented dude. So are they going to keep Andrew S- or George Iloka? I would assume not so much. But we'll see. Again, it's a depth issue. Now when it comes to Marcus Sherrills, they've got a ton of cornerbacks. they got Mackenzie Alexander, Holton Hill, Trey Waynes, uh, Xavier Rhodes. They've got Mike Hughes, who they drafted. He did get on IR, but uh, Vikings fans have really high hopes for Mike Hughes. Uh, Jaron Curse, Jalen Merrick, Craig James. Marcus Sherrills doesn't really serve much of a purpose, so he's going to be gone. So these are the guys that are going to be probably gone, which I suppose is, is somewhat positive because... If there's people that you have to resign, then there's more people that we have to cut. The less people we have to resign, you know, we could just go into the season with no money and we'll be fine. But still, they're going to need some money, so let's take a look at some possible players that could go bye-bye. Um, Kirk Cousins, obviously, is not going anywhere. They could trade him and save a ton of money because most of his money is in his base salary, so they could pretty much just trade away all that money, but they're not going to do that because, again, they don't have anybody else. And I think the Kirk Cousins' is terrible narrative is a little overblown. Kirk Cousins is mediocre, which is what I said he was coming into it, which is another thing everybody wanted to argue with me about. And by the way, do you know how I knew that he was mediocre? Because Pro Football Focus told me so. And I hate to go on this rant, but every once in a while I have to, because there's going to be new listeners who are like, why did you keep talking about Pro Football Focus? A good metric is something that is predictive. I've said this several times. You want to know if IQ is a good or bad test because everybody argues it's not? It is a good test because it's predictive. It can tell you a lot about a person, even at a very young age, that ends up being true. It's predictive, therefore a good test. Pro football focus is a good metric because it is predictive. When everybody was saying, oh man, they got a really good quarterback, Kirk Cousins is going to tear it up, I was one of the people saying, eh, maybe, he's maybe a little bit better than what they had, but not very much because he's kind of mediocre. Guess what? He comes over here and he's not very good. He's kind of mediocre and everyone's like, oh, what's up? Kirk Cousins, I guess, isn't so good. And I'm sitting here saying, yeah, I kind of said that a long time ago. Why? Because pro football focus said so. Because they've been watching him every snap, every play, multiple people for literally seven years. Multiple people watching every single Kirk Cousins snap for seven years and charting every single statistic. They even chart as far as the passes go. By the way, if if anybody wants to try to compete with PFF and say, well, I can do it better and you want to watch every single snap of every single player so that you can say that I do it myself and all that... They actually pinpoint where the pass was to decide how good of a pass it was. Meaning, you know, if it's if it's like right at the stomach or right at the hip or at the knee or at the foot or, you know, how far out in front, how far behind, how far above. There's a target zone, and as it gets bigger or smaller, the better or worse the pass was and how much it's credited to you or against you as a good or bad pass. And by the way, that also goes to the wide receiver. If they drop it, it depends where the pass was on your body, depending on how close or far away it was, kind of has a determinant as far as how responsible you are for catching or not catching that pass. That's just one example of one of the depths they go to to grade out quarterbacks. So yeah, he's mediocre. And in fact, this was actually graded out as his third best year ever. In 2012, that was his best year, which was his rookie year. 2016 was his second best year. 2018 was his third best year. And those are the only three years where he was given a grade of, uh, I guess you'd call it, very good. It's it's barely very good. I guess technically it's high good. It was 79.3. 80s are when you get into what I call very good. 70s are good. 
he had 79.3. So, like, you know, a lot good, but not very good. 15th best quarterback, meaning dead average. Anyways, regardless, that's not what we're talking about. Not even there yet. Uh, Daniil Hunter's not going anywhere. Uh, his contract of $13.5 million, they would only save a million and a half if they were to let him go. That's regardless of cut or trade. In fact, pretty much all these guys, it makes no difference cut or trade. Sometimes it does depending on the contract structure, but I went through and looked at the difference. There's no difference in any of these guys. Xavier Rhodes is somebody that they could uh, move on from and save a bunch of money. Now, again, I know that a lot of Vikings fans think Xavier Rhodes is an absolute freak. Here's the problem. Mackenzie Alexander is better. Holton Hill is better. Trey Waynes is better. And Mike Hughes is supposed to be your like new number one that you just drafted. So if you've got Mike Hughes, who's going to be your number one. Mackenzie Alexander is your number two. Holton Hill and Trey Waynes are all better. Why do you need Xavier Rhodes? Xavier Rhodes is not even average. He was graded out as below average. He's literally the worst cornerback on this entire roster. Mike Hughes, Jaron Curse, Mark, uh, Marcus Sherrills, Trey Waynes, Holden Hill, Mackenzie Alexander. Xavier Rhodes was the worst. He was graded out as 101st, not even top 100. Garbage. Not good. So yeah, you need to get rid of him. So moving on, I, I doubt you're going to be able to trade him because um, nobody's going to pay this man $10 million, so you're just going to have to cut him and eat it. But that'll free up $6 million bucks. They'll have a dead cap hit of $7.2 million. And Xavier Rhodes will be floating around as a free agent. Somebody will give him, I don't know, $6, 5000000 million to be a subpar cornerback for their team. Um, another really big one that a lot of people are saying is going to be gone is Mr. Everson Griffin. Now, there's a lot going on here because not only was Everson Griffin not super great and, as I said, somewhat overrated, and not only would they save 10.5 of his $11.7 million contract, meaning it's only a $1.2 million dead cap hit, but remember, there was a lot of off-the-field stuff with him, like real bad stuff. Let me read this title to you from Deadspin from uh, September 24th. Report, Vikings lineman Everson Griffin threatened to shoot someone at Minneapolis Hotel. Remember, and then he went bye-bye for a long time, and then he eventually came back. Let me continue reading here. According to the report, at one point, staff members moved to the back of the office while Griffin paced around in the lobby. Police dispatch audio archived online includes a dispatcher saying that the suspect said to the staff that if someone wouldn't let him in his room that he was going to shoot someone. Police said no gun was ever seen. At one point, the report said the caller stated that Griffin threatened to assault staff members and was laying on the lobby floor. So he missed quite a bit of time for personal health-related issues. So remember when I talked about that defensive line that was kind of a big part of what they did? Well, Everson Griffin is probably gone, and Sheldon Richardson is probably gone, meaning Daniil Hunter and Linval Joseph are kind of all that's left. Now, they've got other guys that they could possibly put at the edge that maybe will be something I don't really know. They drafted a couple guys last year that were both on IR, Ade Aruna and Hercules Mata'afa. I would honestly be shocked if any of these guys could step up and play in any capacity. Again, I'm sure Vikings fans are going to say, oh, you forgot about uh, Hercules. Hercules was not very good. He was never seen as being very good. It was not a strong edge class last year. And he was drafted what? In the When was he drafted? Oh, he wasn't even drafted. That's insane. <laughs> I was going to say, he's supposed to be a fifth, fourth or fifth round guy. He was an undrafted free agent. And Ade Aruna is, he's not good, man. I remember hearing some hype about it. he's the most stiff, athleticless person I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he's really tall and he's pretty strong and all this stuff. So, I mean, if, if you, like, put a quarterback in a straight line and maybe put somebody in front of him, it's possible he could push the guy in front of him out of the way and get to the quarterback. 
But if he has to like move to the side even a little bit, I don't think there's any possible way. He is the he's just a gigantic I don't know, stick. So there there almost no chance either of these guys is going to step up. The only other guy that they had that was um a starter at the time was uh Stephen Weatherly, Stephen Weatherly, whatever. I hate when it's Stephen with a PH. It, in what universe is PH a V sound? I'm sorry that your parents are ridiculous, but your name is Stefan. I hate to break it to you. Your name isn't Stephen. It's Stefan. PH makes an F sound. And my name is Bob. Well, my parents decided that R makes a B sound. YA is an O sound, and N is also a B sound. So R-Y-A-N is actually Bob. Making up your own universe, Stefan. Tell your parents to get a life. How about that? But anyways, he had 524 snaps, um essentially sharing the role with Everson Griffin. He's the one that stepped in uh, for Everson Griffin. He's about equally as talented as Everson Griffin, which is to say he's not very talented. Uh, Tashawn Bauer was also in that range of B. So basically they've got a bunch of guys that are kind of just mediocre. None of them are going to be a threat to the Green Bay Packers or anybody else for that matter coming off the edge. It's going to be Daniil Hunter. On the inside you've got Linval Joseph. They've got no depth at tackle. They've got no other edge rusher. They're in a bit of a bind. Now again, the draft is coming up. Maybe they can get somebody, and if they cut enough people, maybe they have some money to throw around to pick up somebody that's adequately talented. I don't know. I would doubt it. We'll see. But Everson Griffin is probably going to be gone, and that will give them $10.5 million. Uh, Riley Reef isn't going anywhere. Harrison Smith is kind of interesting. As much as you would say there's no way they're get, they're going to get rid of him, um, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris were the two safeties for the team. However, both of them are listed as strong safeties. If they decided that they wanted to stick with Anthony Harris and give him a contract, they could cut Harrison Smith, and then you would have Andrew Sandejo at free safety and Harrison Smith at strong safety. I mean, Anthony Harris. Man, why is Harrison and Harris just blowing my mind right now? Anthony Harris at strong safety, Andrew Sandejo at free safety, and you can let Harrison Smith walk. I don't know if you necessarily need to do that. It doesn't seem super necessary, but if they wanted to go that route, they could. And beyond that, the other interesting thing about that for the team is not only would they save $6.7 million, but no question in the world they could trade Harrison Smith. I mean, the Packers would jump all over that guy in a second. So they could probably get some decent value for a guy like Harrison Smith in in, uh, the draft. So it's an option. Another option, probably unlikely just because, as I've said, they've already decimated their defensive line, but Linval Joseph is another option. Now, at this point, I'm speculating, but I, I believe he's going to be their only interior player left. However, another guy that's $10.6 million, and they can save $7 million by letting him go. I don't think they can do it because they don't have anybody left. Even if they decide we're going to draft somebody, which, again, you can't do at this early of a, a juncture, but it would be an option if they decided to do that. We'll see. I doubt it. Um, another pretty big option here, and maybe one of the better options, Trey Waynes. All of his money is in uh, his base salary, and there are no guarantees left. So 100% of his contract uh, would be going bye-bye if they got rid of Trey Waynes. And as I've said, they don't really have they don't really have a lot of good cornerbacks. Mackenzie Alexander's good. Mike Hughes might be very good. Otherwise, Holton Hill is decent. Trey Waynes is decent, and nobody else is any good. So, do you really want to get rid of Trey Waynes? Probably not. But you're we're talking about saving $9 million, man. I mean, Trey Waynes, I'm just going to say it's an option. And I'll also say between Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes, at least one of them is going bye-bye. There's just no question about that. Um, Adam Thielen obviously isn't going anywhere, even though they could save him some money. Another option, Kyle Rudolph. 
similar situation, 100% would be guaranteed. I mean, 100%, zero guarantees left, 100% would be saved, no dead uh, cap, so $7.6 million if they got rid of Kyle Rudolph. I know he's been touted as this great tight end. He never really has been. He's never once been graded as very good. And he's actually been in a decline literally since year one. His best year was his rookie year. He nearly was graded as very good, but he never quite got there. He declined. So here's here's how it went. I'll just give you the numbers. 78 to 76 to 70 to 63. So basically in 2014, he was average. A slight resurgence, 71, 73. And then in 2017, 68, 2018, 64. So, I mean, 2011 and 2012 are like his two good years, and after that he's just been kind of meh. The idea that they wouldn't offload Kyle Rudolph, and by offload I absolutely mean trade because somebody would give him something, but to save $7.6 million, even though you're probably not going to get very much because, as I said, Kyle Rudolph has been kind of mediocre-ish, and $7.6 million is sort of a lot to pay for mediocre-ish, especially when mediocre-ish is turning 30. But whatever, if you can give me a sixth or something for Kyle Rudolph and I get to save $7.6 million, do it. And watch, the Detroit Lions will pay for him. They said they wanted a a tight end and they're kind of dumb over there, so they'll they'll probably take him. And he's better than uh, Toy Lolo or whatever they're working with over there. So yeah, there you go. And beyond that, um, the other benefit of getting rid of Kyle Rudolph, which I would guess that they will, is that they don't have anybody else. So, (laughs) yeah. You don't want to get rid of Kyle Rudolph because he's the only guy that's even maybe starter caliber. Which, by the way, in a league in which there's only, what, five, six, seven, eight good tight ends in the NFL at all, he was ranked 35th. So it's super competitive in, like, the top five. Top ten, you're kind of getting into, you know, decent tight ends. After that, it's like a bunch of just trash guys. I mean, there's not a lot of good tight ends in the NFL. He was barely top 32. Now, I know that I can't really talk as a Packer fan. But here, let me put it in perspective for you. Kyle Rudolph's grade this past year was 64.2. Um, Lance Kendrick's grade was 60.5. Robert Tanyan's grade was 61.2. So just compare and contrast the narrative between how good Kyle Rudolph is and how good Lance Kendrick's is. Because basically they had about the same grade. Jimmy Graham was 59.4. So we're talking right around that same grade. Just to put it in perspective. But yet, Jimmy Graham is washed up and Kyle Rudolph is still this top-tier tight end. Okay. Tell you what, I hope they keep him. I don't want him to have the money. I want them to have trash players. Please keep all of these guys. Um, another option would be safety Andrew Sandejo. Again, they've got options at safeties. Do they want to keep all of them? Do they want to maybe move on from some of these guys? How they want to handle that, I don't know. But Andrew Sandejo is another option. Andrew Sandejo is a free safety. If they're good with the Harrison Smith slash Anthony Harris combo, maybe even though they're both allocated as strong safeties, they like these two as a combo, they can move on from Sandejo, maybe even repay Iloka because Iloka is going to be a lot cheaper than Sandejo. You cut Sandejo and you keep $5.5 million. Now, I don't know if it's worth... 5.5 million to lose Sandejo. Personally, I probably wouldn't want to do that. But again, it's an option. So I think that's pretty much it as far as, as big money guys. Mackenzie Alexander saves you a million, but we're kind of we're kind of picking here. So as this um, period of time progresses, expect the Vikings to be making lots and lots of cuts. And then as free agency comes along, the guys that aren't cut, you can still expect some potential trades. You know, maybe they try to wheel and deal guys like Xavier Rhodes, although I doubt that's going to happen. Some of these big-name safeties, some of these corners, possibly a defensive tackle, defensive end, you know, whatever. 
Everson Griffin, if, if somebody wants to bite on that, which again, I would doubt who wants to pay for him with his issues. But um, I expect them to be making quite a bit of moves to free up some cap space, so we'll see. And as a Packers fan, there's a possibility that safety is one of those bargaining chips because they kind of have too many that are too talented. I mean, ideally, you just keep them all. But again, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, and Andrew Sandejo are all very good safety. Although Sandejo is kind of all over the place. He was really good in 2017. Outside of that, meh. So I don't know. We'll see. In fact, I'll tell you this right now. I don't even want Sandejo because I don't trust that he's going to come here and do anything, especially coming off of IR. So we'll just scratch that. I don't want anybody. Unless they're going to wheel and deal Harrison Smith, but I just don't. There's no way. So all right, let's let's do our quick overview now of the team. Um, so as I said, Kirk Cousins is kind of mediocre. And I think similar to the Bears, how good this team is going to be is, is dependent on two things. One of the biggest things is going to be the quarterback. The other big thing is going to be the defense. It's the exact same thing with the Bears. Their team is limited by, number one, Trubisky taking a step. Because that's the biggest thing that scares me. As much as it's fun to make fun of the Bears, if that dude figures it out, we're all in trouble. Secondly, the defense. How much is that defense going to regress? The Vikings, there's very real possibility there's a lot of regression. The Bears, we haven't gotten to yet. I don't know if they're going to lose any pieces. But losing your defensive coordinator and beyond that, as I said, very inflated. A lot of guys playing way above their potential for a year. So you would expect regression, just you know, regression to the mean kind of thing. But that's going to be the two biggest questions, your quarterback and your defense. So how good can this quarterback be? As I said, this was his third best year ever. And having Adam Thielen kind of come out of nowhere, I mean, I know he's always been good, but he's never been that good. And of course, Stephon Diggs, I mean, the fact that he was basically relegated back to nobody's even talking about him. And I've said several times, I think Stephon Diggs is a phenomenal wide receiver. The fact that Adam Thielen overshadowed him to that degree, that probably explains why he had his third best year ever. But... When you're coming in in your first year, and now you have coaches, especially in the NFC North, that have an entire year to analyze what you did. So we have get a full year to analyze Nagy and the things that he tried to do. We get a full year to seeing Kirk Cousins in this new system and the things that they try to do with him. And we have a full year of analyzing the Detroit Lions and what they tried to do. Now it's our turn to be new. Everybody else got their new stuff, and we get to analyze what they did, and everybody else gets to analyze what they did. Now we get an opportunity to be new while they have to try to figure out how to reinvent themselves for a second year in a row. In other words, I'm saying if I had to pick between Kirk Cousins getting better, staying the same, or getting worse, I would say it's going to be either staying the same or getting worse, probably regressing a little bit, just because on average, again, he overperformed what he usually does this past year. So just Picking him to be what he usually is is probably the safest bet. And if I had to pick a rough number of how good he or good or bad, like if I gave him a grade, it would be about 70. His grade was 79.3. 80 is the highest he's ever been. I would expect him to get back down into this mid to low 70s. But we'll see. Maybe it's something different with the Vikings having these wide receivers, whatever. At wide receiver, um, you know, the biggest thing is they've got Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, but. They don't have a lot of depth. Laquan Treadwell is garbage, and as I said, Aldrick Robinson is probably going to be gone. They don't have the cap space to go out and pay for wide receivers, and they don't have a lot of um, draft picks. So the ability to draft a new wide receiver is pretty limited, especially considering that this isn't a very big need. In other words, it's going to be Thielen and Diggs all over again, which is a negative, but it is what it is. Um, At running back, again, Latavius Murray very likely gone, meaning it's going to be Dalvin Cook. Amir Abdullah is also probably going to be gone, so it's going to be Dalvin Cook. He did take a step from year one to year two. He's dealing with a lot of injuries and all that kind of stuff. It's possible that he could emerge in his in his third year. Um, 
which maybe will be his first healthy year. We'll see what happens as we get there. But um, the fact of the matter is, as a runner, he's just not very good. Latavius Murray was way better than he was as a runner. The reason that their grades were even somewhat comparable is because his pass blocking was just through the roof. He was very, very good pass blocker. But as a runner, nothing all that special. So that's good news. Uh, as I said, tight end, really good situation for us because Kyle Rudolph is mediocre at best, and there's a good chance they're getting rid of him. Looking at offensive line, they don't have a good one. Pat Elfline is a terrible center. Brett Jones is a little bit better, but not much, and he could be gone. Looking at guard, Tom Compton and Mike Remmers are supposedly their starters. Well, Tom Compton is a free agent, so we'll see if they decide to pay him. And again, because they're going to have to compete with other teams, I'm sure the Vikings have been negotiating with him since day one, trying to get him to sign, but Tom Compton realizes the Vikings don't have a lot of resources, and he could probably get paid somewhere else. So he's going to wait it out and see what free agency offers or he's willing to offer him. That would be my guess anyways. And on the other side, you got Mike Remmers, who's just not good. I mean, he's not a free agent, so they don't have to worry about losing him, but he wasn't even average. So he's terrible. Nick Easton, who is on IR, is also a free agent. Danny Isadora uh, is a guy that they drafted kind of in the later rounds. He is below average. Cedric Lang and Avianti Collins were both on IR, so three out of their six guards were on IR. But uh, Avianti Collins, if I remember, was a very late-round guy. I'm sure he's not going to be very good. So their guards and their center, their interior is going to be trash all over again. It's possible they draft somebody, but even if they do, the hit rate on second, third-round guards and centers is like zero. It's very low. Um, Tackles, Riley Reef is pretty talented. Brian O'Neill, who they drafted, uh, was mediocre. We'll see if he takes a second-year leap. But either way, as usual, this is going to probably be another really bad offensive line. And again, you know, you talk about, well, they could draft somebody. Well, in the first round, they're probably not going to because they don't need tackles. They just drafted a right tackle and they have Riley Reef. So unless you think they're going to draft a guard, which they could, um, I just, I don't, I don't see how that's going to help anything. Um, and then we've got the interior. As I said, Sheldon Richardson is gone, which leaves just Linval Joseph. Uh, there's a very, very minute chance they try to deal him, but I mean, at that point, you just don't have a defensive line, so they're going to be paying for him. On the edge, they've got Daniil Hunter and pretty much nobody else. Daniil, I think, is another guy. Oh, no, they, they couldn't. Never mind. They wouldn't save any money dealing him. They don't have anybody else. So Daniil Hunter is pretty much going to be the only talented edge rusher they have. And again, he was mediocre this last year. I mean, again, he's good, but we're talking about 16th. So you take the top 32 edge rushers, he's right in the middle. Don't get me wrong, I would be happy if we draft a guy in the first round and he ends up being the 16th best edge rusher in the NFL. I'd be ecstatic. I just want to make sure we're clear because sometimes you hear some of these names and it's like, oh man, super good. Linebacker, they got nothing. Anthony Barr's gone, everybody else is garbage. Again, could draft somebody, but how many times can we say could draft somebody? Again, they have a first round pick. That's probably either going to be a guard or a defensive tackle. They have a second round pick probably going to be a guard or a defensive tackle. And you got what, linebacker, wide receiver. I mean, you need safety, you need cornerback, you need guard, you need center, you need a tight end, you need a quarterback, you need a little bit of everything, and you've got five picks in the draft and no money for free agency. So, yeah, maybe they'll get a linebacker in the draft, but probably not. Um, safeties, it, de- it depends who's going to be there. A- as it was before, it was Andrew Sandejo and Harris- Harrison Smith, but I don't think Andrew Sandejo is very good. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith all over again. Um, George Iloka, if they re-sign him, that's less money for them to play with. If they don't, they don't have any depth. All they have is Andrew Sandejo, who's an overpaid safety. 
cornerbacks, um, they could be a pretty good group. I know I've been kind of railing against them, but again, Mackenzie Alexander isn't bad. Mike Hughes did look pretty promising. He ended the year mediocre. So he started off the year super awesome, and then he kind of tailed off, and then he went on IR. But there was a lot of promising looks from Mike Hughes, so it's possible you get Mike Hughes back, Mackenzie Alexander. It's a pretty solid duo. Then you've got Holden Hill, at the very least, as your number three. Um, Curse wasn't terrible. You can kind of do whatever you want with Trey Waynes or Xavier Rhodes. If you get rid of Xavier Rhodes and keep Trey Waynes, then you've got, at the very least, at least one guy, McKenzie Alexander, that's going to be pretty good. Mike Hughes with some upside. So the corners might be pretty good, but we're not exactly talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars here. We're not talking about the Denver Broncos a couple years ago. We're not talking about elite corners. We're talking about a couple pretty good guys. And that's pretty much the team. So to say that I'm optimistic that the Vikings have very little chance of being something super elite, I mean, it's somewhat of an understatement. They just don't have very much opportunity to be a very good team. Now, we'll see. I mean, a really good defensive coordinator can take, you know, subpar pieces and make it a decent defense. But it's eroding, and it's eroding rapidly. And because they invested so much money... And, 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 you know, they invested so much in one point in time, which is the biggest problem with kind of diverting too much from the Ted Thompson thing and everybody saying, oh, let's just throw away draft picks and go get these guys and let's throw away, you know, a bunch of money and go get these guys. The problem is this is what happens. You get into a situation where you have guys leaving and instead of being able to replace them, you don't have draft picks, you don't have money. So not only can you not add pieces, you actually have to get rid of talent just to make sure you have enough money to re-sign some of your talent. And just to not go negative, you're going to have to get rid of talent. This is a horrible situation that no team should ever be in. And if you're managed properly, you don't allow this to happen, but the Vikings are allowing it to happen. Again, it'll be an interesting case study to see if they can find a way around it. Didn't really talk too much about restructuring. It is possible they restructure some contracts to save up some money, and then all this goes bye-bye. They don't have to cut anybody. We'll see. But keep in mind, restructuring isn't just this magic thing where it's like, I, you know, it's like the old Michael Scott thing, I declare bankruptcy. It's like, you don't just yell that and then it just, everything goes away. That's not how that works. You can't just declare restructure and everything's fixed. It just means you're pushing money out, which means next year, as Kirk Cousins' price continues to go through the roof, you now owe people more money, which means you have even less money. So you're just kind of pushing off your problems into a later date. But finally, as I'm looking at this matchup, and I'm going to try not to repeat myself, but I'm sure it's going to be the exact same thing all over again. The one benefit here is that I don't have to worry as much about their defensive line against our offensive line. Okay, we, have, we have infinitely more resources, whether it be in the draft or free agency, to be able to patch this up. And if we get a, um, a talented guard, I mean, I, I just, there's not much to be worried about. Sheldon Richardson's gone. Everson Griffin could be very well gone. So basically, it's going to be Hunter coming after our right tackle. If it's not Balaga... There could be a little bit of problems, but if it's not Balaga and we don't get a right tackle, we're in trouble all year long, which is why we absolutely have to keep Brian Balaga. But um, that's the one issue is going to be Daniil Hunter, but I mean, we, we can keep a tight end in there if that becomes a problem. It, it's just there's not much that's going to be we need to worry about. Um, the way that I'm looking at this, surprisingly, because I've been kind of railing against their, you know, their overrated defensive backs, their defensive backs is going to be one of the stronger points. So if we come out and try to pass against them, you've got Mackenzie Alexander, who's going to be, and, and by the way, Mackenzie Alexander was terrible in his first two years and emerged in his third year. It's possible that he just figured it out. It's also possible that that was inflated and he's going to regress. We'll see what happens. It's always hard to tell because some people, it's just their arrow points straight up and then there's a nice little, it's it's like you expect it perfectly. He gets better and better and better and better and better and then he hits a certain age and he gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But very rarely it does it look like a perfect little hill like that. A lot of times it's jagged up and down, up and down, up and down. You just never know from year to year. But 
with that said, when you look at the talent of their safeties, when you look at the talent of their cornerbacks, presumably, I think their strength is going to be more their defensive backs than what they have in the middle with the erosion of their defensive tackles, with the erosion of their defensive ends, and with the complete breakdown of their linebackers. So even though Harrison Smith is going to be able to help in run support with the uh, emphasis on running the ball now, you get this offensive line and you get these tight ends, I, I, I just think attacking them on the ground is going to be the most beneficial thing. And obviously, we're going to have to be able to throw, and I think Devontae Adams is going to be able to handle absolutely anybody. We'll see who their number one emerging quarter, cornerback is and if they even decide to shadow or whatever. But this is an area where they have a lot of depth at corner two. So we can say if we get a number two, well, they've got a number two corner. Well, maybe if we get a slot guy. Well, Alexander is their slot guy. Well, maybe if we have a bunch of guys, we can go five wide. It's like, yeah, but they've probably got five guys that are at least somewhat mediocre and can handle it. They have a lot of mediocre depth, so they can handle that kind of stuff. They don't have a super amount of top-end talent. So if we get, if we did happen to get... Uh, you know, Antonio Brown, which no, I'm still saying is a bad idea. But if we did, then yeah, there's nobody that can handle Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown. It doesn't matter what your team is. It doesn't matter how good your corners are. That's going to be a serious problem for you. And yeah, we're going to destroy the Vikings, which is so weird to say. It's so weird to say, yeah, I mean, if we have Antonio Brown, there's not a team that can stop us. We're going to destroy everybody. It's going to be easy, but I don't want them. It just, it hurts my soul to say that. I can't figure it out. Like I said to somebody else, it's my brain and my heart don't agree. And my brain says that sentence, and my heart just looks at my brain like, are, did you just say that sentence? Are you that dumb? For a brain, you're pretty dumb. Like, oh yeah, that would be horrible if we just destroyed everybody because we're too good, nobody can stop us. Wouldn't that just be the worst thing ever? But anyways, here we sit. So yeah, that, that's going to be the biggest thing. However, you can't just beat a team on the ground. That's not a thing in the NFL anymore. You have to be able to pass. So we want to run the ball a lot. You know, you get the hole, we're going to tire them out, we're going to extend the drive, we're going to keep our offense on the field, their defense on the field, but at some point you got to throw the ball. Now the middle of the field is probably going to be somewhat beneficial because they don't have super good linebackers, so if we had tight ends that could do stuff. If we do end up getting a Hawkinson, which would be ridiculous, or an Irvin Smith, or a Noah Fant, could be very beneficial. Or if we can just coach up some of the guys we got. Again, if we can just get Jimmy Graham to go back to being mediocre, like he was in his last year with Seattle where he was just kind of good, That'd be pretty huge. But, I mean, I, I kind of foresee this being somewhat of a problem, not even because they're all that good, but just if their corners and safeties can be super great and the Packers can't throw the ball, we've seen what happens when Aaron Rodgers can't throw the ball. It's almost a guaranteed loss. That was the entire season last year. We had trouble throwing the ball, and that's why our season was garbage. Even years when the Packers were really good, if you went up against a defense that could stifle Aaron Rodgers, we usually lost that game. So that's going to be the biggest thing is, yeah, run the ball a lot, absolutely decimate them. See if you can pull Smith into the box, because they're going to kind of need that, because they don't have linebackers, so Smith is going to need to kind of come down. But if you can get him in base or get Smith to kind of rove near the line of scrimmage, we have to be able to beat him deep. And if all we have is Devontae going up against Trey Waynes, and you've got their free safety who's really good kind of leaning that side, and that's all they have to do to take away our entire passing attack, we're kind of doomed. So, again, as much as everybody says wide receiver is a luxury, I just I don't buy it. Anyways, on the other side of the field now, um, again... Not trying to repeat myself, but right now we don't have anybody that's going to be able to handle Diggs and Thielen. Jair's pretty solid, but Adam Thielen is a better wide receiver than Jair is a cornerback, and Stephon Diggs absolutely annihilates anybody by a mile that we have. Now, that's not the whole story. Their ability to run against us is going to be basically nil because they don't have an offensive line, and as I said, Dalvin Cook is not a good running back, and they don't have any tight ends. So they're very one-dimensional. 
and as I've also said, if we happen to get somebody in the in the order of an Earl Thomas-ish person, and maybe you know draft a strong safety type person, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world to be able to help stop the passing attack. And then you look at Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and uh, whoever it is outside of that. And then you factor in, we've got a brand spanking new edge rusher, possibly two of them, coming off the edge, going up against their second-year right tackle, O'Neal, and they're kind of talented but not super great left tackle. As our interior defensive tackles just absolutely annihilate their pathetic interior offensive line. So, I mean, th- this is the kind of situation where if, if they can just destroy us with Diggs and Thielen, that could be enough to win. That's the frustrating thing is, you know, you look at it and you say, ha you can't run and your offensive line is garbage. Yeah, but they still win. Why? Because they have a good enough defense and they have good wide receivers. And you can just win throwing the ball all day long. But if we can continuously get pressure on Kirk Cousins, force a couple bad throws, get a little bit better at corner, I mean, that, that's just that's where we win this game. We're going to win it in the trenches. And that that's just the way it is. Our defensive front is way better than their offensive front. Absolutely destroy Cousins. Don't allow them to gain a single yard on the ground running. Force them to do nothing but throw the ball and just keep blitzing constantly. If they're just going to keep throwing and we're going to keep blitzing, eventually we're going to hit Cousins. And if we can get four sacks in this game and a pick, that's that's just going to be indicative of the fact that we just we basically forced them to do what we wanted them to do. And it's kind of cool to think about, too, that we could have a situation where going into Minnesota, it's a matter of they're the team that just wants to throw all the time. We're the team that wants to play physical. But that absolutely could be the, uh, the, the, the situation. If we can bolster up our edge rush, we've already got a great defensive line. We bolster up our edge rush against their offensive line. We should, it should just be an absolute assault. And then again, on the other side, their, their defensive line has been decimated. We build up our offensive line. We're playing in the trenches. We are the physical team. They're the team that just wants to throw the ball away really quickly. It's a weird thought, but that's something to keep in mind as we move into this. That could be the situation. The Packers are the smash mouth team, and the Vikings are the air it out team. But I'm excited. I'm excited to be the, the mean, angry smash mouth team that goes in and just absolutely, you know, makes Cousins a little bit black and blue. And Brian Burns just keeps screaming, you like that, in his eardrum. I'm just saying. Anyways, I got to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.